Welcome back. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, we are coming to you from the Financial Planning Congress in Sydney, and we have got another special guest lined He's up for a, a little while to get here. Absolutely, for a fireside okay. chat. Uh, welcome, welcome very much for the podcast. Thank you. Welcome, glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Charmaine. We would love to start by knowing who you are, how your business is, and what you're actually going to be talking about at the Congress. Sure. Uh, so, Capital Partners, Private World, so from Perth, so we have travelled a little way and there is such a thing as Perth jet lag, I can promise. Um, so, we're a practice of around 40 staff members there, we're an independent practice and we've been running for about 20 years now, so very long-standing uh, practice. I've been there for about 10 years and my role is the Chief Operating Officer, so really about strategy, integration of strategy and making sure the team have everything they need to deliver really amazing work for our clients. Well, and that hasn't been an easy job over the last uh, last couple of years for Chief Operating Officers with managing lots of humans in, in locations. Absolutely, yes. Lots of challenges. Now, uh, we are here to talk today about what some of the stuff that you were talking about at the Congress and when we talk about challenges, uh, that's certainly been uh, the theme. Mm. Tell, tell us a little bit about what you're talking about. Sure. So, um, a big session on cybersecurity. So, back in 2018, we were the unfortunate victims of a fraudulent event and it was probably the best, worst thing that could ever happen to us. Um, but we learned a lot from it and today I'm really here to share some of those learnings um, and help other practices make sure they can avoid some of the pitfalls that we fell into at yep. that point in time. Fantastic. Now, I do know a little bit about this session because I have been privy to it. Uh, it essentially, your story is broken up into three parts of sort of before mm. the attack happened and then uh, obviously during the attack uh, that, that took place and then what you've done afterwards. So, let's, let's probably start with that first part. Mm. Tell us a little bit about the practice how it was tracking along before, uh, before the breach. Mm. So, uh, we're... I would think a very organised practice and uh, technology was very top of mind for us. What we weren't thinking about was specifically cyber security. So at that point in time, we'd done a recent upgrade of all of our technology and we were moving to a cloud infrastructure. So we had on-premise and we were moving to cloud. And as part of that, we moved a lot of our software into the cloud. What we weren't thinking about at the time was the risks that come with moving to a cloud migration and what that actually does to your business. Uh, we were so focused on the technology and moving there and upgrading that we weren't thinking about the back end. Yeah, now I describe this as, you know, we've all had that shiny syndrome scenario, but uh, I, I describe this a little bit around the concept of technology. We focus on working really well and easily and simply and all those sort of things, whereas in, when you talk about your cybersecurity, you're going, how do we stop things working so easily? Yes, and, and also how do you be operationally efficient and secure? Because you can be incredibly secure, but you also can't operate a business. So where's the balance in between there? How do you find that? And now, uh, so, so beforehand, you were, you know, great business, tracking along, technology, lo love the use of technology. Uh, tell us about that moment then. It really came out of the blue. Um, it was a team member came up to me one day and said, oh, I think something's not quite right here. I received an email from a client requesting some funds to be transferred. And that's not the email that I actually received from them. There's a discrepancy in the amounts. And all of a sudden, that was a red flag. Yep. Um, so we had our IT investigate that and found out we'd had a breach and it had happened five days prior and hadn't been picked up. We didn't have any monitoring at the time and it wasn't noticed. Yep. Um, so really scary, frightening time. Yeah, no, uh, t <laughs> <What> tell, me, <laughs> tell me about your emotional state at the time. Uh, I think it was shock. Um, when I look back, I realise how complacent we were and at that time it was just shock and what do you do now? Like where do you even start? So the obvious things, you know, quickly change your password. Okay, but, but then what? How do you start sifting through the mountains and mountains of information that passes in and out of your business every day to determine what's been accessed? 
Yep. Um, now, this was an email breach. So it was a breach hmm. within the email system, not, not, not within other systems that you're operating. We didn't know that at the time, but that's what it turned out to be. So it was a breach on our office environment, but they only accessed Outlook, which was very lucky because they did have access to other parts of our environment, such as SharePoint, Teams, other areas like that. Yep. Interesting. Yep. And now coming out of that experience, what does best practice look like? Because you would have learnt firsthand around what you may have been able to embed up front to kind mm. of stop that shock of, oh gosh, we've got a breach. Yeah. A lot of it for us has really come down to training and awareness with the team. With all the systems and structure you can put in place to you know, stop or slow down cybersecurity breaches, at the end of the day, your biggest risk is actually your team members accidentally clicking on something that they're not aware is illegitimate. And so we do a lot of training and awareness and it starts with uh, personal. So if they're personally aware of their own cybersecurity risks, then that naturally transitions over to their professional life. So we really focus on how do you keep your personal information safe and then what do you do when you come to the office? Yeah, now that training is interesting because you uh, had the break some time ago. Everybody's aware of that and they understand mm. the ramifications and what goes on. Um, but changing culture takes time, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so, and so, how have you found that over the last? You know, your staff coming up to a level. It's it's kind of not like a. You know, we've we've got to cram in and do a whole lot of exams. It, it's about ongoing. Absolutely, it's ongoing. So when a team member starts with us, the first session they do on their first day walking through the door is three hours on our security, cyber, technology, access, all those sorts of things. But for the rest of the team, it's about having an ongoing conversation. So we work with some cybersecurity experts and they help us give monthly commentary. You know, what is happening on the network? How many incidences are coming through? How many people are trying to get through our firewalls? Um, You know, we have little prizes and things when someone picks up a fraudulent email that slipped through our system. We kind of make it fun. We keep it part of the conversation. Yeah, I think that's that's the way to do it. Don't make it uh, too scary to talk about. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good point. How would you suggest, I mean, having a really robust process, I can imagine, would involve having a, a place where people can go, look, I might have done this thing that was outside of protocols and yeah. it's resulted. Like, how do you create that environment so people yeah. are open about things that they think may have gone wrong or you know, something that they feel is not quite right mm. despite all this. Because if you're doing all this training, there's probably a, oh, I should get this right because I've been trained and there's an expectation. Yes. But I guess if, if it's too stringent on that, there's probably not the space for people to say, I've got a concern here or I kind of slipped up here or I didn't do that particular thing. How do you manage that as a CEO? Uh, it's definitely part of our culture where it's okay to get things wrong, make mistakes and fail. Um, and I think that's where it starts as a, as a broad overview of what's okay in our business. And security is part of that. We're not perfect. We are going to make errors. We are going to make mistakes. The best thing we can do is put our hand up, own it, and then we fix it. And that's what we focus on first, fixing it. Uh, when this particular event happened, it was devastating for the team members that were involved. They were just so upset and, and just really concerned about our clients, the business, and it was their fault. And so managing our response to that And yes, we're worried, but also not overreacting. It's not the team member's fault. They're also a victim of this. They didn't do it intentionally. Yeah, they often feel silly at the time and and, and at quite a vulnerable state. Um, Talk talk to me a little bit about budget because a lot of small firms think, oh, is this an extra budget now we have to spend? Uh, How's your attitude changed towards the spending around and, and, and budgeting for cyber in your business? Uh, it's definitely it's a subset of our broader technology budget um, now. So probably uh, back then we were maybe spending 3% of revenue. Now we're spending about 4% of revenue and that includes 
anything cyber related and we will be doing specific cyber projects which we fund which are only chosen because of the security uplift that we need so they're not technology based it's not to do with our crm or improvements or efficiency it's literally security security yep. training technology uplifts yep so so three percent was technology it's now four percent that includes cyber yeah, yeah okay. four, so, four and a half now yeah, yeah. Okay. Scarily enough. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. And uh, well, so I think the big takeaway for me in your presentation is really around the, the planning that you've done up mm. front um, and, and then the, the ongoing planning that you've done since um, to have a response plan. Mm, absolutely. And I think it's not a matter of if it's going to happen, it's a matter of when. So it is doing as much as you possibly can, what you can control, but then it's likely to happen. Yep. The amount of incidents is happening now, it is going to happen to you. So what is your response going to be? What are your What is your initial plan that you have in place? And then how can you slow that breach down so that you can mitigate it as quickly as possible? Yep. Now, afterwards, you obviously there were some reporting obligations. Do you want to mm. talk us through what you did there and, and what was required? Mm. So um, we initially spoke to our compliance officer within on the first day that it happened, and he advised us that we were likely at a breach, privacy breach level because of the extent of the information in that mailbox. So it was about lodging a notification with the um, office, the Australian Office of Privacy Commissioner. Yes. Yeah, yep. OAIC. <laughs> uh, and that was quite a lengthy process. Um, you have a certain amount, of, you have a time frame in which you need to do that in and in that 30 days, you often don't have all the information you really need to know the extent of the breach. The data that you're sifting through is so unstructured, it actually takes time. And we've seen that with some of the recent breaches. It's about we, we know something's been taken, but we, we're not sure what. Yeah, and I can completely understand sort of AHM and Medibank and, and why they're taking so long. It's very difficult to work out. Not only what has been uh, accessed, but what they've actually done with it. Because you can view some information. Have they actually taken it and sold it? And there can be two buckets of data that you're looking at in there. Yep. Uh, Super complex. So you had five days. Was it five days in between something happening and you guys realising that there had been a breach five days? Because I heard a stat in, Fraser, you're the expert in, in this field, but that there's generally like 180 days between when something happens yeah. and when someone finds out that there's been a security breach. So it sounds yeah. like you were pretty fortunate in, time, in terms of the time or the window that yeah. this sort of breach was occurring and, and you were unaware. Absolutely. And it was like it actually came down to our verification procedures. So whenever we are transacting money, we do a, a soft verification uh, and that phone call with a client is what, what started the ball rolling. If that hadn't have happened, if we hadn't had that verification in process, it could have been a lot longer and a lot worse. Very yeah. fortunate. Yep. Yeah. We talk about multi-factor authentication on software. That, that multi-factor authentication with clients is, is important too, it's getting, that, getting that, um, that phone call in. Um, talk to me about the reporting to your clients because this is a, this is a mm. scary, scary thing for advice firms to have to, to ring their clients. And, and I've seen stats where 93% of the client base expects that they, they will receive a call that day. Mm. It was one of the, the things at the top of our mind. What do we do with our clients? They were really concerned about the information that they may have lost. We're not even sure. And we want to talk to them, but we also don't have a lot to tell them. So for us, we actually spent two to three days trying to work out what data do we at least know that we can you know, share with them, but also not panic them and have them overreact when there's so much unknown. So our first email went out within that first week, and it was very generic in the sense that this has happened. We've had a breach. Um, it now has been mitigated. We've engaged some experts to help us do a full investigation around what has actually been lost and audited, and we will be in touch with you to let you know. And we also uh, gave out our CEO's phone number, direct. If you have any concerns, you call us straight away, but we want you to be vigilant. In the interim, we'll be calling you for any sort of verification, any transaction, and if you receive anything from us that doesn't look legitimate, 
please let us know and please call us. What yep. was the client's response to your, like, you're probably quite nervous around those phone calls and I can only imagine your team so making those those um, phone calls mm. and, and how were the clients reacting once you informed them that there had been a data breach? Well, our clients, they're amazing clients. They were actually wonderful. They were very understanding. They were also very thankful that we told them as early as we possibly could, even though we didn't have all the information. Um, and they were also, interestingly enough, they were very concerned about us and our team member who'd gone through that experience and how awful that must feel for them. So that was a real surprise for us because that's not what we were expecting the response to be. It's a testament um, to the relationship that you have with them. Do you think there would be any different response today based on the, the recent fear, fear that's been put through the media? Absolutely. I think there'd be a much different response. In 2018, it was relatively you know, new that a breach would happen. It was very unusual, whereas now you're hearing about it every second day. And I think clients rightly expect us to have really thought about what systems we have in place to protect it. And if we don't, then we really have to be answering for it. So I do think there'd be a different response today. Yeah. Now, I, I want to focus a little bit on the, before we finish up about the, the future um, and around being proactive in this space with your clients and letting them know what security you do have in place. Mm, absolutely. So we communicate with our clients a lot and we also run education sessions for them. So security on their side is just as important because if they're hacked and they are sending us fraudulent emails, then that's also an issue. So continuing that conversation with our clients through training, through education, if something uh, doesn't seem right for a client, we'll get our IT company to go in and have a look at their laptop and make sure it's clean and it's okay. How do the clients receive that training? Do they do it? Yeah. Yeah, they do it. Yeah. Okay. And They're how really do you deliver engaged. that? Is it via video? Like how, what format do you deliver that training to your clients? We've done a couple via webinar more recently because we can't meet in person. But prior to that, we were doing face-to-face and we'd have 100, 150 clients in a room and we would just talk Incredible. to them. You know, what information are you putting out there? on the internet that people can use to then come back and, and fortunately take your identity or, or hack your database. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful opportunity, um, you know, adding to the, the service that you provide, your, your clients to be able to demonstrate that you're providing those extra services. I think it's a great, uh, great opportunity for practices. Charmaine, thank you so much for coming in and chatting us fireside chat about uh, your story. Really appreciate it. Welcome, Thanks, Charmaine. It's a pleasure. Thank you.